This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, I just wanted to start with Pasha Shokim. I wanted to start with an, up, an op-ed piece that I saw in the New York Times. just thought it would be very, very fascinating. It's called Congregations Gone Wild by Jeffrey McDonald from Massachusetts. And um, he says American clergy is suffering from burnout because um, congregations are changing their attitude about what they want from a pastor. Uh, it says that they are expected to do, to entertain the congregation, and sort of the congregation has become a consumer. In this transformation, clergy have seen their job descriptions rewritten. They're no longer expected to offer moral counsel and pastoral care sessions or to deliver sermons that will make the comfortable uneasy. Church leaders who continue such ministerial traditions pay dearly. A few years ago, thousands of parishioners quit Woodland Hills Church and so on when their respective preachers refused to bless the congregation's preferred political agendas and consumers' lifestyles. Then he says about himself, um, I have faced similar pressures myself. In the early 2000s, the advisory committee of my small congregation, Massachusetts, told me to keep my sermons to 10 minutes, tell funny stories, and leave people feeling great about themselves. The unspoken message in such, in such instructions is clear. Give us the comforting, amusing fare we want, or we'll get our spiritual leadership from someone else. Um, there's a saying in Yiddish, that as the Christians do, you know, the trends um, and the movements within the Christian world will reflect themselves in similar ways, in parallel ways in the Jewish world. So I guess the idea that to keep the um, speeches to 10 minutes, under 10 minutes with funny stories and make you feel good about yourself is also part of the Yiddish world. Um, I would suggest, I guess, if anyone but I'm listening as advice, if someone asks you to do the same, you could look very serious and say it's now that the Goyim insisting on having it that way, we need to stay away from it and it needs to be longer speeches, no funny stories, and make people feel a little bit uh, bad about themselves. Good, I'll um, the, f- the first one is a chinuch about why we need to have shaytim and Now, I, I want to explain the um, hidden agenda, the hidden question. Um, he's, he's really addressing an issue. It says here we need to put in place shoftim and shoftim to have us do what's right. Now, we're not talking here only about civil matters, like just to make sure that, you know, everybody obeys the laws and the society runs. We're talking about the big, uh, big part of the um, Shotrim the Shotrim's duty is religious things just as well. Uh, it essays, it mitzvahs los essays, etc. His question is, you don't want to coerce people into doing something. If a person does something because he's coerced, that's a get of onus, and therefore the person is, that's not really what the Torah wants. The Torah wants people to recognize, understand, and do that. So what's the point of this? I think that's the point that the Chinuch is addressing. Sheirish ha-mitzvah niglohu. Shima dovazeh namidoseinu. We're going to establish Torah that way. Biyos imas alufeinu shaseinu ha-hamoin 
because the fear of the um, leaders, the judges, will be on the populace. Because they get used to, it's habitual to do what's right because of fear, they will then um, do it out of love when they recognize the emes. That when a person gets into a habit, it becomes second nature. Just like a person's nature pushes a person to do something, so too a lot of repetition, a lot of training, a lot of habit, it becomes second nature to him. And will force us to go on that road. When they go on that road and they do well, the good will become attached to them and Akashbach will be happy. So I want to explain this because it's an important piece. We train our children with force, or anything like that, but the simple fact, as parents, we're telling them, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Um, a school imposes values on a kid. It doesn't uh, ask the kid for what he would like to do. It imposes certain things on him. And um, the Torah provides a stick, and if we don't do it out of recognition. So, obviously, as long as we're doing it because it's imposed, and that's the only reason we're doing it, then um, we will not that's not, um, that's not a fulfillment of anything. But as something becomes second nature to us, and it becomes natural to us, then, then, then we can actually do it because we want it, we understand it to be right. For instance, um, if a person, let's take, let's move out of the religious sector, if a person is not trained to eat with forks and knives or anything, we don't impose on him um, manners, and he eats naturally, with hands and feet and whatever comes his way. And then when he gets older, um, it, it's not um, it's very difficult to retrain yourself. The, um, when a person is trained to eat, most of us as adults would feel, feel very thankful we were trained to act with manners, and we feel very, very comfortable with it, and we appreciate the fact that we don't eat with our hands or, or with our mouths or whatever it is, um, and it becomes something we appreciate. The um, Torah and mitzvahs, they, 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 once they become a habit to a person, a person can then actually appreciate it. So, same thing, a person who's taught um, to do things, um, to be neat and organized and so on, he, he, at the beginning it's because he's forced and, and so on, but as he gets older, he actually can begin to appreciate it, and he likes organization and so on and so forth. So, it, it, and, and many parts of, many schools of Chinuch imposed a lot of training. So just like military training, it, 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 a soldier, once he's passed his training period, um, it, it relishes the fact that he has in him the ability to snap at attention, to walk a straight line, to keep his things neat, organized, punctual, etc., etc. Th these become you. So it's possible through a habit that something actually becomes you and it doesn't remain imposed. 
That's one aspect of you. We've mentioned some other times, um, the other places uh, um, where it speaks about doing things as a habit. The, the, um, you also give a person the ability, for instance, if a person sleeps, if a kid sleeps wherever he wants to sleep, when he becomes an adult and he needs to get up early, it's very, very hard. He doesn't have the ability to discipline himself and say, if I want to get up 6 o'clock, it's 6 o'clock. Um, it's by training him as a child to get up 6 o'clock, you're giving him a tool for doing it. If it's, you know, and, and many, much, so it's important to understand training is an imposing correct values is good, but a person needs to make that transition. At some point, you need to fill the child or yourself with the ava um, and the understanding of why it's a, it's a dove tov. It's not just, well, it's my habit. For instance, a person that picks up a habit, to, I don't know, to something not pleasant, a sort of choosing something, or bite something, whatever it is, so then the person can't shake it off because it's a habit but he recognizes a bad habit in which it wasn't. But good habits that a person has, person is very happy became part of his nature, and then it it's reaches fulfillment. Okay, the second one is a Sfarnu. The Sfarnu addresses the fact that there seem to be a, a lump together, um, three things that seem to have no nothing in common. Uh, the Pusik speaks about Asherah, the Pusik speaks about um, a mum and a matseva and uh, a yonim. And all, all of these things that don't seem to have any real kasha. So the Sfarnu is going to give us an understanding of what is the common denominator of all these in yonim. He says, Hevi shlosha domim me inyan dvarim shem noim kefiachush vinim asanimum aruchni. It is something, the Torah is giving us three examples of things that present themselves remarkably well, but have serious spiritual moral flaws. The first one is an Asherah tree. The tree is beautiful. It, they used to use it for temples. And, um, and it is beautiful. And that's obviously why they picked it. But since it's come to symbolize Avodah Zarah, it's ugly. Um, just, just like we look at Christian music and art, etc. Part of it needs to. It obviously is very rich and beautiful. I mean, they they invested a lot in in the arts and music, but a person should always say, um, you know, because of everything wrong with Christianity, this should be repulsive. And just like, uh, let's take another example. Uh, 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 a, a handsome, um, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Nazi is a Nazi. And the fact that he is quote-unquote handsome, but we find it repulsive. Um, we need to learn to look at things from the Tzad Ruchni, not the way they present themselves. Secondly, V'chein naktim hadofas Adayan. Adayan, it says, by the same token, um, if, if a Dayan is looks very presentable and handsome and so on, but he's flawed, then we need to disregard it. The second thing is the Matseva, which was like a type of, it was a one stone used as a, as a Mizbeach, which actually was considered to be very, um, it, it was considered to be extremely appropriate 
for using for a Mizbeach, it became canceled because it became a Tulfa Vodazara. And once it became a Tulfa Vodazara, we don't, um, we, we can't use it anymore. The, the, um, uh, and he said, the, 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 the any of the Matseva was a way in which it, it's as if we always stood before Kaddish Baruch Hu. With the eagle, we lost that. And he says this Svanu that this is um, it, this 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 represents a person who had flaws in his early youth, even though now it's covered up. But we need to address those flaws if they haven't been addressed. So things that the Cheta eagle um, had a hand in and wasn't completely miscapper, it's most. Third of all, so yeah, sorry. Similarly, yes. when it comes to the Mateva, is it because the um, the the what is our next are doing it, or is it because no? It he says, well, we the way the way it's in Chazal seems to have sorry. He says it's because they use it for Chata Eagle. It represents Chata Eagle. Not sure how or why, but that's what he says. And the third one is, um, if you have an animal, and it, 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 it says over here that a mum. Is something that makes the animal most. Now, the mum is not something that an animal makes it should make it most, because the the um, the, the uh, when somebody buys a cow for milk, he looks at its udders, he looks at its health. The fact that it may or may not have a good eyelid is something that doesn't bother it. The fact that it might have uh, something a split on the lip. I mean, he's not marrying the cow. The cow is big, fat, husky, healthy, tons of milk, or an ox that plows. It's not a beauty contest. And yet the Torah says that a flaw that you may not see, in other words, the farmer doesn't see that flaw because not a flaw, also devalues it. He says that it, it's like you would find somebody who is a Pamat Chacham, but um, he's not somebody who's... who's an influential person, and yet he has some mida that is not. So when you look for leaders, and you find somebody that has a flaw, we um, tend to uh, shy. Uh, we, we need to recognize to push it away. This is it's, this is very very. Th- this is uh, an, uh, an idea that's extremely nagiat to us as Americans. Um, we we've gone from reading articles by candidates to hearing sound bites to watching interviews. So we, we but you know the how photogenic a candidate is really determines his success. Um, I still remember my first memories of an election was Kennedy and Eisen, uh, Kennedy and Nixon, and. The election was decided on the fact that Kennedy was young, good-looking, with it. Nixon was older, nervous, and um, kind of kvetchy-looking. Amazing. So, so if you ask people, well, what do you like about Kennedy over Nixon? And they say, young, dynamic, leadership, fresh, I da 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 Yes, a person, could you list them? Could you exactly point what, what it is that... And they would say, well, just look at him. I mean, don't you see that energy and that leadership and that vision? I, I mean, you know, the, and, and we live like that. We live as a, a society where everything is, is taken by its chitzenius. 
Um, you'll excuse me for using a muscle like this, but I, I need to share it. There, there were two guys that died at the same time. One was Princess Diane, and one was Mother Theresa. Um, the, 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 the both were seen, both were um, made into saints, uh, idolized as great saints, despite that one of them was a, a, a person who, again, to, to believe was reported, lived with the poor and the lepers and the, 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 the hungry and everything, a person who gave of her life everything for um, chesed. And again, I'm taking the, the report at face value. The other person was a troubled person who lived a very troubled life, maybe through no fault of her own, but didn't do much more than that that could be passed on. And yet um, people put to, spoke about in the same breath as being saints. And obviously the pictures of the um, latter adorned many more walls than the previous simply because one was attractive looking. But the sainthood was conferred based on nothing but um, the people liked the way the person looked. And I, and I was, I was it, it just, it's mind-boggling. I mean, the person was a troubled person and maybe you could pity her, but there was nothing that you could point out of sacrifice in their lives. Um, yes, there was one well-photographed um, up, uh, you know, photo up, uh, traveling to Africa to, to work for HIV or something like that. That was from the noted accomplishments, uh, a quick tour of some countries with a lot of photographers. But um, how do you, like, but, but that's the way it is. We, we as a country, and television has done a lot to, to, to bring in that culture, that looking at the person, seeing the person outside, that's it. I will, I'm going to share another story. There was a, um, a person in the mirror many, many years ago, a young man, um, came to Orford's Kufa, a very fine young man. His father-in-law was an extremely wealthy chassid of the Satmarov, not a, um, a, a, you know, a modern-looking, you know, kind of clean-shaven and so on, but Satmarov from the Haim, as they say, and very supportive of the Rebbe, and, you know, gave a lot of money for the Moistus. And he came to visit his son-in-law, son-in-law in the mirror, Reb Chaim Shalom was just alive at the time, and um, he he walk he went to see Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim Shalom lived in three tiny rooms, um, as uh, threadbare as the Meir was. It was just another piece of the Meir cordoned off for Reb Chaim, and Zera. Uh, so he's standing outside, you know, nervously fixing his tie and his uh, jacket, and they ushered him in. He came out. Uh, you know, a while later, and he said he doesn't know why people are so impressed with Ibrahim Shalabitz. He says, there's nothing in the house there. He says, chip tiles, an old table, and a few chairs. Like, what is it to see about Ibrahim? Um, it, it was stunning. I, I mean, I said to myself, I began to understand why Satmarov was very makbid that his house, it, the, the areas of the house that were public were extremely well um, appointed. They, they, they had golden chandeliers and so on. He himself was not nana from anything. He himself never slept. He himself never ate. But, but it was extremely because the, the people that he needed to deal with would only understand that. If a person could walk in Chayshad's house, not only not admire the simplicity and the greatness of the person, but actually say, well, a guddle who lives in three small rooms with chip tiles and an old table is not a guddle, 
I mean, wow, we've come a long, long way from from the time when it says in the Pasuk, Adam Yerah that that's what you learn in Cheda, that you look at the inside, not the outside. him, the Svona says, these are three Azharas that carry one thing in common. You ask yourself, not what does it look like or what does it sound like, but what does it come from? Let me share this one more story, I guess, in story mode today. Um, I grew up in RJJ, and um, Shiva, and Shabbos Yantav, that is Shiva Minyan, a very harsh people, the Shiva there, and, and the, the, the Bnei Torah of the area down there. The, 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 the Baltfillers were very beautiful. One of the Baltfillers was somebody who, an older man, who was very kind of not, not exceptional as a Baltfiller. And um, somebody sort of hinted to one of the Rosh Hashivas that um, maybe they should, um, they should try to find somebody with a, with a richer voice and, you know, and so on and so forth. And Shiva's Rebetzin was sitting there, was Rebetzin Vashavchik, her husband actually was the Balmusav and it was a gorgeous Baltfilla, but she was sitting there, she was a very outspoken person. And she said, this Balshachas was five years in Siberia and kept his Yiddishkeit in Mr. Nefesh. He works as a bookbinder and his Yerushalayim is exceptional and uh, this is the Shleach The voice, go to opera if you want to hear a good voice. But uh, but but the, the most beautiful doubt is from somebody who suffered five years. I agree for it. Uh, it. It's perspective that unfortunately killed for us. Okay, the next one is a, a, um, a shtickle over here from the Barbanel about the Bezna Gadol, and this is the Pasha Bezna Gadol. She says, Moshe was Sanhedrin The Sanhedrin had Ruach Hakodesh. They had a Hashra. In other words, what they Paskin had in themselves a certain Ashura Milamala. And that's why there was seventy one. It represented the seventy scaling with Moshe Rabbeinu To teach us that the spirit of Moshe Rabbeinu was on them and the ruach of those Skanim of prophets. In other words, this was kind of parallel to the Nevu and Israel. And that's why they sat in the base Hamigdash in the Lishkar Gazis to teach us that just like the, sh- the, 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 sh- the Shekhinah that in the Beis Amigdash dwells on them. And he says, um, and that's why they had to be in the Lishkas uh, HaGazis in order for the, for the Pesachim to be Chal, but that's where they had Ruach HaKodesh. And because the Shekhinah is with them is why they're called Elohim. Like it says, Elohim Nitzavadaskel Vikar of Elohim Yishbot. So in other words, they, they, the, the name, the, the Pashtab Shad is that Elohim means um, all sorts of um, judges, uh, and, you know, anybody with authority or power. The, um, the Avranel says in Bethlehem specifically, it's because the, the Shechina is there, that's what it called Elohim. Vahoyazeh, l'kisham mishpotim atoyrim, eina kvonim milvat ha'kishom adini. The Torah of mishpotim, the tachlis is not only to have society function appropriately, it was a vehicle to have Ashura Let's Let's talk about this point. This is a very significant point. Um, what is, how do we understand justice? 
um, very, very, you know, a point that's been debated over the ages. And the, um, so the laws that we feel today society can pass are laws that help society function well, keep criminal element away, make commercial interaction be organized, um, expected. We know what's going to happen. We know what we sign, when we sign. We know that the other party will be forced to comply, and so on and so forth. Punishments are seen either as, by I think a minority of people, as corrective. In other words, um, by punishing criminals, you help make them non-criminals. Or, as I guess the more pragmatic approach, it's simply a way to stop that behavior. If a person knows that X, Y, or Z is waiting for him if he does that, it's a deterrent. So it's either corrective or deterrent. The concept of justice as being an ideal, ideal in the sense something not part of the material world, but sort of an idea in its own, is um, iffy. In other words, we all feel a sense of the unfair, um, revenge, justice. We have those instincts in us, but does it actually exist? Certainly, the court is not the place where that happens. We have an intuition. There's something that we call natural law. We have an intuition that we, you know, somebody does something wrong, will get punished. But that's that's not. The, I mean, law is meant to be very practical, so on. Um, if we take a look in the Torah, there are all sorts of. It, it's funny. There are halachas, and then there's a patchwork of takanis to make it more viable for society. And, and, and the courts, but the Dima give them tremendous powers at, for ad hoc type of things, you know, shashot, srichalakak, and so on. And it almost seems as if the Torah is not practical enough, because you need all these takanis, whether it's a ksuba, whether it's this, whether it's that. I mean, you know, macholks are ksuba, I not, but al kapodim. It probably hold it to Rabbanan and, and um, the, uh, all of those things seem to be a lot of takkanas are needed to circumvent it. Um, we have Kinyanam in the Torah and yet we have Minigam Medina and so on. The answer is like this. The Torah itself does put down justice as an ideal. Ideal in this case I mean as opposed to the, the ideal versus the real versus the material. There is something called justice, and there's an Hagavakarshbahu called Mishpat, and that includes all of a person's activities ranging from, you know, whatever. The, um, the, the, the a when it imposes din on the world, is bringing down the divine order in the world. There is also a need to have society function well. And for that, you use ad hoc type of takanis, punishments, deterrence, but that's a secondary aspect of din in its big form. And that's why we look at din as being not secular, but rather belonging to the world of the um, sacred, because you're really, really um, drawing down mishpat from Shechina into Kaisra. So he says, and 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 um, that's and, and just like the carbonists themselves, he said, brought about a dveikus between Akadosh Baruch and Kaisal and the Mizbeach. So to mishpatim. In other words, when you're when when the picture of your activities 
mimic Akarish Baruch Hu, that brings us to Asashchina, and that and that is what it's uh, and, and that's what Mishpat does. Yes. So, so Rebbe, like uh, in the Torah about a Misa of, of, of a criminal, yes, it has to be all Pishnaim Edim and Shemuel Hatra and how they have to right. say it, and I, w- I would assume that would be a very rare thing to happen. Correct. But the Misa, I'm sure they put many people to death by you know locking them in a room or different ways that right. Or Shachot Tzichol Akachir of the Yes. Right. So does that mean to say that that's not really din when there's when that's Correct. happening? It's Correct. Just Correct. We have society to function, and yes. this is a way that you yes. deal with this problem. Or right. It also appears um, if you look at the role of a melech, it says melech yamidards the mishpat, the mishpat that the melech and, and the Chachamim speak about it, the mishpat that the melech brought was more for these situations where under the formal legal proceedings, it, 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 it was a way to act swiftly, decisively, and to keep society functioning and on a secular level, rather than, uh, than imparting some ideal, did. just like, and, and I guess the counter would be, um, you have military laws, like in a, in a place of occupation, whatever it is, where you say to yourself, the, 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 the time, the situation, the needs require dealing with things as they are, rather than relating to some great legal system. So, yes, th- that was true. I, I guess I'm wondering how you're really revealing Hashem uh, Ratzon, I guess, if what the Mishpat is is so rare. If the actual Mishpat is going to be so rare, and that generally how things are going to be done are through uh, Mishpat HaMelech or, or Takana from the like. Well, first of all, the Mishpat Dakan itself is also, you know, the, the Council of Mishpat Dakan, but here is, you, you are sort of presenting a Mahalach of this is the way, this is the way it ought to be um, a person who's done X and under such and such a circumstances has been found to do it, then Y is the proper way of, of dealing with it. It's a model. It's, it's sort of an ideal model, and that's why it maybe happens rarely. But when it does happen, we've played out something that carries itself a lot of uh, divine content. Um, and he says, and that's why you have all these psukim about um, that anyone who's done a dinamis is like a shutfis, like a Baruch Hu, and, uh, and he explains the shutfis is that just like in Maisa Bracious, you had um, a, a hashpah like to the world, that was the strongest, clearest hashpah, so too, when someone is done at the MS, he um, he creates that ashpah, and certainly the bezna gadol. So um, that's why he and then he says, because they're tapping into a higher source. That's why they know things you don't know. And and so Ronald says that, and this is an interesting point, we'll see, I, we won't see this week because I think Shaitan is the biggest passion we have, about 50 pages. But um, in different places we, we see, we have seen that the key to listen to the Besna Gadol is no matter what. Right, wrong, or whatever, they are, um, you know, Everything would disintegrate without that, and, you know, and you need to have that. Just like the Havdul in, in, a, in a secular society, you need to have a final instance of justice, and that's it. Because without that, you're going to have simple anarchy. So that we understand. But um, he says further than that. The Pasuk is saying 
he says, you know, if you went to this bezin, this bezin, that bezin, the other bezin, and if you don't know, come to the bezin, and they will tell you. So he says, it's because the other batidinim are work up his seichel alone, basically, and therefore, you say to yourself, if Ruben didn't know, Shimon, you know, bezin A didn't know, bezin B, bezin C didn't know, what are the chances bezin D will know? The Torah tells you that be- the bezin hagadol has in itself and the Kuda of Ruach HaKodesh and Hashras Ashkina, and that's why they will more likely know than the other Batadinim. It's not just a little more smart, a little more experienced, more that. We're talking about people that call Tehidavir are different. I want to add a point to this. Um, we said that the Loba Ruach HaKodesh, the, 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 the question is always Loba Shemaim he and Nevu is not supposed to be done, and so on and so forth. All those questions. Um, the Rambam says, when he speaks about Ruach HaKodesh versus Nevuah, he explains Ruach HaKodesh is the ability to know and understand things that it's clear to you that it's not because your natural mind had the ability to reach that, but somebody's added a dimension of understanding to you. As opposed to prophecy, which is a communication from God to you. Dear sir, you are now to do X, Y, or Z. It has nothing to do with Seichel or Das or Havana. It's rather just a kind of a command. So, th- it, it, so that cannot be used to pass Nalachis. And a Navi that does try to pass Nalachis with Nevuah, the Ravim says the Navi Sheker by definition, and we kill him. Not good. But Ruach HaKodesh means not that you get a message is right wrong. Y- your mind telescope, so to speak, understands much further, and you're aware of the fact, you know, to understand Pshat in this Rashba, I, I, you know, when, when it says that it was written by Ruach HaKodesh, it means that, it doesn't mean that an, a Malach came and told him, it's a level of understanding that it's a Siat that's given to him, and not something that he was born with. Um, that's a very important point in understanding these type of, of Amar. So he says, the Bezna Gadol has this level of Ruach HaKodesh, so their understanding goes much greater. Their understanding is much deeper. Um, and therefore, um, the, 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 right, the right it writes a lot of places, for a not a lot of places, but a few places, for a fear of Ruach HaKadosh based on the Shainu, and everyone asks, oh, it's, um, is it Leibah Shemaimi? You know, it's kind of ask it on the... But, but Ruach HaKadosh Ram defines is an, uh, uh, an understanding, so it's, it's Seicheldik, but understanding that the person is keenly aware that it's not innate, not native to him, it's something that came beyond that. Okay, we'll hold it here.